Welcome to Graduating Grief, a podcast designed to help you step back into living your life with joy after loss. If you're ready to move from surviving to thriving, you've come to the right place. Here's your host and inspirationista, Sherry Dunleavy. The beauty of the graduating grief philosophy is that you can be sad and you can go through the worst chapters of your life and lose people that are closest to you, but knowing that you can heal from this process. So that is the difference that sets this apart from a lot of other grief support and grief philosophies. And you have to find the path that's right for you. But when you find someone who has done what what I am telling everyone that you can do, it's like finding gold because you want to share and you have one more person to say, this is true. This can happen. It happened for me and it can happen for you. And that's why I'm so delighted to talk to Martika Wiley today. She has an amazing story. She has written a book and now she has followed this as her calling in life as well. Martika, thank you very much for joining me today. Thank you so much, Sherry, for having me. It's a pleasure. I hate the fact that you had to experience your grief so early on in your life, but it has truly formed who you are today and what you do today. So could you share a little bit of that with us, please? Yeah, sure. I would love to. Yeah. um, My first real uh, experience with loss and death was when I was 15 years old. My mother committed suicide, which at the time seemed very Usually most at that time, it's teenagers that are committing suicide, not the parents. So um, it was a huge blow to me uh, because I I wasn't expecting it. I knew something. She wasn't well. I tried to get her help. She was in a marriage that uh, was really dysfunctional and abusive. And, um, you know, I tried to get her help. She tried to get help, although I didn't realize that uh, many years after she passed. (laughs) that she tried to get her own help. And, you know, there was a lot of, um, you know, after the shock had worn off, there was a lot of um, anger, you know, I felt abandoned and um, very angry with my stepfather because he was very abusive and I felt he was very much responsible for her death. So I was, I kind of went into um, a kill mode, I like to call it, where um, I didn't want to live anymore. I tried to kill myself. I um, wanted to follow in her footsteps because how she died was she, she actually jumped off a bridge and the bridge underneath that bridge was a provincial park. So um, I tried to do the same thing about a week later. Uh, we lived in a high rise uh, 20. We were on the 20th floor and we didn't have any screens on our window. We kept fighting the landlord to put screens up there because anybody could just, you know, a toddler, a pet could just kind of by accident fall and fall to their death. Anyhow, so when I tried to do that, um, I was right in the door frame, the window frame. All I needed was uh, just one step to be with her. And I did take that step, but a force, a very strong force pushed me back into the living room. And a voice said, you are not meant to follow and therefore must live on. Oh, and this wow. feeling, feeling washed over me and this sense because words are very limit, limiting, but the feeling that I got with those words were like, what was I about to do? 
I'm a lot more important than I think I am. You know, like I was, I was amazed that, you know, that I couldn't. And I knew in that moment, it didn't matter what I, it didn't matter what I did as far as trying to end my life. There would always be a divine uh, interruption, if you will, intervention. What I find so powerful about that, just that portion of your story is the fact that, you know, one of the things I always tell people is every life matters and every life can make an impact. And so it just feels like the divine force was saying, you, you are meant to be doing greater things. Your life is meant to not to end here, but to impact others. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Although at 15, I did had no understanding. Like I just knew Mm -hmm. something bigger than me was happening. But I, I still was very angry. And so I tried to kill, you know, my stepfather, like those thoughts were in my mind. <clears throat> and, um, but there was, again, the divine wisdom came through saying, you don't want his death on your hands. Killing him will only free his soul and mar your own, mar my mm. own. And so what I got in that was letting him live, he would suffer. Cause I was just really, I was out to get blood. Like I was just... Yeah. And, and of course, and then I was in high school, I took a week off high school, but then, then, well, I took two weeks because she died right before the March break. Mm -hmm. So I had that the first week off after her diet, after her death, and then the March break. And of course, being by myself in the apartment wasn't, wasn't the greatest, but going back to school, you know, some kids knew and some didn't know what was happening. And of course, rumors, you know, they, the, you know, there were just rumors that the truth wasn't there as far as how she died. But yeah, I almost, um, I wanted to attack one of the um, bullies, I guess you could say, you know, was <clears throat> tormenting me across the hallway. And I was, I was about to give her the beating of a lifetime. <laughs> and again, this, this, this uh, loving energy rushed, rushed right all, all over me. And I just couldn't, it was like somebody de- deactiv- deactivated the anger and left love. Wow. So, so once, once that kind of phase passed, um, you know, it was better, but I was still distraught over the whole thing. And then of course, two years later, my Nana had an asthma attack and she passed, I believe because of the guilt, I think. And then a year later, my grandfather passed because he couldn't live without my Nana. And then another year after that, my uncle died in a car accident and so it was kind of like death after death after death. And then I thought I had death anxiety. So I decided to find my father. My parents uh, divorced when I was three years old. So my father was kind of in and out of my life. He mm-hmm. lived in the Bahamas and we were in Canada. So I didn't see him very much. So I decided to find him because all my family, well, most of my family on my mother's side seemed to be going. I just mm-hmm. had uh, my aunt and a cousin left as far as, you know, an immediate family. Right. And it wasn't until um, I tried to find my father and, you know, contacted a cousin in the Bahamas. And, you know, I said, you know, I'm looking for him. Please, you know, uh, let him know that I'm looking for him. If you can call me once you find him. And he did two months later, uh, only to tell me he died two days ago. So. Yeah, from AIDS. He had AIDS. He died from AIDS, which is another kind of shame, shameful disease. You don't, you know, again, I was lied to about how he died. I pressed 
I pressed the lady on the phone whom I didn't know it was my sister at the time. You know, how did he die? Well, prostate cancer. I said, well, are you sure that's how he died? She said, prostate cancer. I kept pressing. By the third time, she actually did tell me the truth. It was AIDS <clears throat> because that was the intuition that I got that he had was going to die of AIDS or something. And then I, I thought it was death anxiety, but that was actually a premonition. So um, I was, I didn't know whether to laugh or cry. You know, I, before all this, I did have a good relationship with God. And so, you know, when you lose people, it shakes your faith because why would somebody who created you and loves you would ever take somebody that love that you love? <clears throat> so um, it wasn't until maybe a few weeks after I found that my father had passed that I got a, I got a, a phone call, a message from a lady in Nassau, Bahamas. She left a message and then I called her back and I said to her, I said, are you a relative or friend of his? And she says, I'm your sister with this, you know, American slash Bahamian accent. Mm -hmm. And then she went on to say that four older sisters and nieces and nephews. And I started to cry. Like I was overwhelmed. Like all this time I grew up as an only child and always wanted siblings. So at 23, I got four older sisters and several nieces and nephews. And a voice said, as I was hanging up the phone, God doesn't take away without giving back. Oh, I just got chills from that. Yeah. And, and I thought, wow, I did not know that. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it's amazing how life is like in the moment of the pain and the suffering, you cannot see around the corner, the joys, you know, because right. you cannot know one thing without the other. And so I, um, you know, met my sisters and nieces and nephews, and it was amazing having this whole other family that I didn't know about. And um, so, yeah, it was, it was been quite a journey. And then, and then my cousin, she committed suicide at 15. I found her body and that was again, tra traumatic. I was again, angry with God and, uh, had a huge talking to a hard conversation, if you will, with the most high about why I had experienced all these things. Right. And then isn't until we kind of quiet our mind and really ask wholeheartedly why we're experiencing something. And then the answer does come. The answers do come. And what was your answer, Martika? What was your answer? Well, I needed to see Nikki's body because I didn't see my mom's body after my mom committed suicide, she was cremated almost right away, which made the family and I suspicious of my, my stepfather, you know, mm -hmm. like I wanted to see her body. Um, but, um, and I didn't realize at that time, you know, you're 15, you don't know anything about death. You don't know that seeing the body is very important in the grieving process. It's helped. It helps with the closure. It helps you with denial. I was in denial for a very long time because I didn't see my mother's body. I thought, well, maybe she faked her own death just to get away from this horrible marriage, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, and, and for a long time, I, I expected her to come back and get me. Right. So let's talk a little bit about your journey then from losing all of these people of your transformation, because now here you are today doing work to help other people through this. Mm -hmm. So where did this transformation start and 
how as a young girl did you start to understand and come to grips with what was happening or did you were you floundering at the younger age and the wisdom came at an older age how how did that progress for you Mm -hmm. well I floundered for a long time it wasn't until I was 23 that I realized there was actually stages of grief this is why I teach it because I know it sounds so rudimentary or elementary (laughs) but I had no idea there were stages. Once I knew there were stages, I had something to work with. And um, the transformation came with me. It it, it was slow. It was over time. But writing the book, having fun with God, and I was just writing because um, I know this might sound really strange, but the man in black or death of whatever you want to call it, um, I've seen him. I've seen him in my dreams and I've seen him when I wasn't dreaming. And he just kind of started haunting me, I guess you could say. And I thought it was really weird. I I knew no one else could see him but me. And so I started writing. I just felt compelled to write. And I wrote the first time. I started writing about the first time I saw the man in black. He was in a dream that I had. And this dream was basically, I I believe the universe was preparing me for Nikki's death. Mm -hmm. Because I thought it was my own death. You know, mm-hmm. you dream about a man in black chasing after you. You think, okay, well, maybe my time is near. And I was pretty okay with it. I'm thinking, yeah, it's about time. I've <laughs> been trying to, you know, I can't, you know, kill myself. So maybe, you know, I'll be lucky and I'll just go somehow. But that's that was my frame, mm-hmm. my way of thinking because I was um, in so much pain. But the more I wrote the more healing I met, I noticed how healing it was. It was, there was a lot of healing. There was a lot of understanding, a lot of forgiveness. And um, to make a long story short, you know, it took three years to write and I must've hit every emotion. I expressed every emotion while writing that. And um, a lot of answers, a lot of forgiveness. I forgave myself for being angry with my mom for abandoning me. And then I forgave my mom for being in, for what she did. She did the right thing. I did not realize that. You don't know what somebody's going through until you walk a mile in their shoes. And I did that. I walked a mile in my mom's shoes. She was in a terrible uh, marriage. I was in a terrible marriage. And I didn't want to go out the way she had gone out. So the writing was very therapeutic. And it got me closer to God. I'm not religious, but I do believe in spirit. And, you know, it's so, you know, that saying, you know, God doesn't give you more than you can handle. Well, apparently we can handle a lot. Some of us can handle quite a bit. But I think when you challenge this spirit, when you challenge it and you demand answers, you get them. I was demanding answers. I needed to know why I had to experience walking in on my cousin hanging there. Because that messed me up. That did mentally mm-hmm. for a while. Because every time I blinked, I could see her blue face. <clears throat> you think I'd be walking around with, uh, you know, Q-tips or uh, what do you call them? Uh, toothpicks in my eyes because I didn't mm-hmm. want to blink. Mm-hmm. But um, the writing, the writing was. So was it help. journal writing? Was it journal writing? Was it writing from your dreams? Was it writing? What 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 was the writing? Well, it writing was just, book? I would. I would just say it was creative writing. It was Mm -hmm. just, I was just writing a story. And um, there was a point where I stopped writing because every time I went over it to rewrite, I was rewriting. I had no idea what I was doing with it. I just knew I needed to be writing. Mm -hmm. And it got rereading 
my mother's death, it was always painful. So I stopped writing and I said to spirit, I said to God, I said, you know what? I'm done. I'm done. It's too painful. I don't want to carry on. And that voice said, Oh, is that where you're going to hand in? I said, I'm not handing anything in. And that voice says, you, I said, you write it. I'll make sure they get it. You know, it gets out there. Mm -hmm. And it, it was just, it was just quite the, it was quite the journey. I, I laughed and I cried. There was forgiveness. There was understanding. There was peace of mind. And just sitting there, the, the biggest lesson I got from writing that book there, Sherry, was that we're all one. Mm -hmm. The more I was getting to know myself, I was getting to know all of us. So let me ask you this. So you're, through your writing process, you came to a lot of um, realizations. Uh, we are all one. But did forgiveness come through the writing as well? Forgiveness yes. is a big, huge thing. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes we need to forgive ourselves. Sometimes we need to forgive others sometimes. Um, but forgiveness is a, is a big thing that a lot of times we want to hang on to. Um, I don't know why. I don't know why we, we feel that if we, if we forgive, then we somehow make what happens. Okay. Um, but that's, that's really not it at all. It happened. Now we have to deal with it. So forgiveness allows you to live with it without it feeling so heavy mm -hmm. anymore. I believe is that yeah. correct? Is that would that be how how you would feel with that act of forgiveness? Yeah. Well, for me, it was people were doing the best they they can in that moment. So. So on a deeper level, there was really nothing to forgive. Like my grandparents, I was angry. Why didn't they help her, their daughter? And then, of course, why didn't they help me out? And so, but they were doing what they knew in that, in that given moment. Mm -hmm. So there was a lot of forgiveness, um, you know, with my mom. And, you know, I felt her spirit with me. She helped write it in a weird way. She was, you know, she's still very much mm -hmm. with me. and. But yeah, the forgiveness and peace of mind. Peace of mind is priceless, Sherry. I felt, even though it is not a bestseller yet, I've already, I already feel like I hit gold, if you will. Mm -hmm. Peace of mind is something that is priceless. Right. And so I, I became very grateful. I became very enthusiastic. Um, like I just wanted to help others when it comes to grief and mm -hmm. Of course, in the beginning, I didn't see that right away, although I was helping mm -hmm. people that were grieving because I'd been there before. Um, but I had no idea that I, it would land me into this kind of work. You know, I don't think any book. of us ever do, right? <laughs> any you of know? us ever do. So what yeah. is the takeaway that you want the reader um, to have after putting your book down, after finishing it cover to cover? Um, well, that's, even though you might feel like this is the worst thing that you're never going to get through it, you, you, you will, and you can get through it. it and, yeah. How is your life now that you are through it? Oh my God. Well, let me tell you something. I don't take things too seriously. Like I used to, I have more fun with life. Uh, hence the title, Having Fun with God. That mm -hmm. voice said to me shortly after I was finished writing, it said, now that you've gotten over all the hurt hurdles, are you ready to have fun? Are you really ready? And I'm like, bring it. 
And <laughs> you know, not every, but we create our own realities. We create our own what we want in our lives. So, I mean, most of us don't want to suffer. No. So, but all you have to do is ask, or I like to say, command, make a command to the to universe. Say, I need strength, and I got strength. I need hope, and I got hope. You know. Whatever it is I felt I needed spiritually, I would ask for it or actually command, depending on my mood. Sometimes I'm like, okay, I've had enough, God. You need to give me this now. I need it now. And, and just and, affirm it. Right. And, and ask and it shall be given. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was. So mm-hmm. you wanted that joy. You wanted that fun. Mm-hmm. It is. Uh, that's what I want people to realize is that you, you could, it doesn't matter what you've lost you. That's the end of your loved one's chapter. You're like, you're still here. Mm-hmm. So you still have to write your chapter. So you can either write them as a miserable, sad, depleted person, which is not serving you and not serving the world, or you can do the work to move through so that you can take what this pain that has happened and let it transform you into something richer. Mm -hmm. I don't want to say better, right? Because most people say I'm not better because I don't have that person, but it can be richer. It can be a redesign that would not have been possible any other way. Mm -hmm. Very true. Very true. The other thing is, you know, the connection that I have with spirit, with myself, the higher self, you know, again, it's like any kind of relationship. You have your ups, you have your downs. And Mm -hmm. trust me, I've had my ups and downs with with life itself. But I've come to a place where I'm really starting to love myself like I've never loved myself before. I, you know, I won't tolerate. I used to be able to tolerate abusive relationships. I won't. Um, as far as, you know, being in grief too long, I I won't because our loved ones are still with us. Mm -hmm. Once you understand, like my mother and I, we were, she's still with me. We still have a relationship. It's just different. It's a different, I don't see her physically, but I know she's with me. Right. And, and I feel her sometimes there are moments when, you know, I'll be in, you know, my place, um, I'm, you know, got to climb a chair to, you know, get something. And I can hear her in the background saying, be careful, mm-hmm. careful in that chair. It's, it's weird. It's weird, but I could really feel her presence. And so we're together always. I love yeah. how you said, I had to learn how to love myself and what, uh, so, so uh, people say, well, Sherry, what does that, what does that even mean? How do you love yourself? It's not just manicures and pedicures. Mm-hmm. It's healthy boundary setting, right? It's self-talk. It's being gentle with yourself. It's forgiving yourself. Um, I remember one morning I woke up and the first thing I had to break my fast was chocolate milk, which is something I rarely do ever, ever. Mm-hmm. But the inner child in me was so excited about this chocolate milk for breakfast that Mm -hmm. we sang a song, chocolate milk, chocolate milk, chocolate milk, chocolate milk. And it was just a song, just chocolate milk. And I thought, boy, am I ever being silly? I'm glad I live alone. Otherwise, my spouse (laughs) or somebody would be like, how old are you? But it's just moments like that, where that this, this is what I mean to love yourself, to be to be gentle with yourself, to be compassionate with yourself. And it's still a journey for me, but I'm loving myself a lot more than I used to. 
And when you love yourself, yes, you can love others. And so it's so important to everything begins at home, begins within, within. Yeah. And the joy of mm-hmm. having that chocolate milk and singing that song, right? Oh, yeah. The yeah. joy came from something so simple. Simple. Right. Yeah. Right. And but but to be the noticer of it and the experiencer of it, mm-hmm. right? And and to to feel that and to allow that. Sometimes mm-hmm. we deprive that from us. I'm, I'm grieving. I shouldn't be feeling this way. That's, that's ridiculous. That's childish. Mm-hmm. That's, we, you know, we're not. And I remember um, I've had a lot of grief journeys this uh, year alone. And I love how you said to speak with yourself with a gentleness. Um, I remember uh, I was thinking after I lost my dog, this is, you know, this is long enough. This is, you should be further through this. And I had to say, honey, it's okay. I spoke to myself in that way, you know, honey, it's, it's okay. You loved him and you're hurting. And right now you feel what you need to feel and and you will feel better, but for now it's okay. Don't, don't speak to yourself that way. And I, you know, I love the fact that I was able to be using that gentle, compassionate voice with myself as if I would have used it with anybody else. But for some reason, we won't use it to ourselves. We're stern. We're the, the criticizer, the, the uh, authoritarian figure that's pointing the finger, you know, back at ourselves. You know better. You should be, you know, mm. and that doesn't serve you well at all. No, but yeah, but I was just thinking of a saying that while you were speaking, um, treat yourself the way you want others to treat you, Mm -hmm. right? Not just the other way around, but treat yourself the way you want others to treat you. So I, once in a while I hear that and I'm like, where's that coming from? Is that my mom? Is that spirit? It really doesn't matter, I guess. But when you start to be, you start to forgive yourself, you forgive others and you just you know, love, just be gentle with yourself, compassion with yourself. And so, so I've done, yeah. Yeah, that is a beautiful word. So before um, we leave here, I would like for you to offer maybe a first, first couple of steps that um, people can take to help move them from the deep pain and anger, the anger, mm-hmm. like the anger that you felt into a softer, gentle, um, a gentler way of moving towards hope and healing? Well, when you're in that pain, just be, be with the pain. If you feel like you need to physically um, punch or kick or, you know, do it with uh, something that's soft, because it's, I, I know when I'm angry, I start breaking things. I'm like, oh, you know, how did that get broken? So, and I think, uh, I think I'm angry. So I think I need to maybe punch a pillow, um, exercise, um, you know, shadow boxing. Um, it could be if you're a write, like to write writing. I remember one time I was very angry and I was writing and I it was just ripping the papers and the, the ink was just, wasn't even, it wasn't even coming out properly. It just, I was just so upset. So if you can get that anger out in a constructive manner, first and foremost, I always say that because you don't want to have regrets, more regrets, and then just cry, 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 cry. 
until you can't cry anymore. And then command help, command the universe. Oh, I always ask, I don't ask, I say ask a lot, but I command. Oh yeah, I get really, really pissed. And I'm like, no, I need this. I need strength. I need hope. I need your guidance. I need to, I need answers. And once you passionately ask, you know, they say when you're passionate about something and you put it out to the universe, it comes faster. And that's so true. When, when I was um, still seeing Nikki's blue face every time I blink, and this has gone on for days, weeks, I can't remember, but I was so pissed and I was driving in the car and I pounded my fists on the steering wheel and I commanded to know why I had to find her body. Why did I have to experience another death? Haven't I had enough? And, and then this flash, this picture of the show that I watched while I while I was visiting my sisters in Texas called Beyond Chance about a lady who helped uh, these elephants that were being unruly at the zoo, they needed to see their loved one's body in order to grieve. And that's what I, the universe was saying, saying to me, you needed to see, you know, Nikki's body in order to grieve. Of course, I didn't, it didn't make any sense because my mom had passed away so long, but mm -hmm. wouldn't you know it, reincarnation. Wow. That's yeah, my mom used to be Nikki. So, and, um, but yeah, you know, they're, she's good though. Nikki is good. She had come to me in dreams. I know she was happy with what she was doing. And it was, it was a comfort to see her. It was also a comfort to get answers. You know, why, mm -hmm. why am I experiencing these things? I don't. I, I, I'm glad that you get, get your answers. I think sometimes though we focus so much on getting the answers um, as to why you had a different kind of why though question mm -hmm. um, that a lot of times that can get us tripped up and we need to start asking, what do I do with this now? But I think you needed your why because it was happening so frequently you needed, you needed to know what am I supposed to take from this? What, what is, why is this happening so that you were able to move forward? Um, a lot of times we don't get those answers. They're not revealed to us mm -hmm. despite our pleas and despite our cries. But it's so funny that you were saying you had the, uh, the talk and the screaming on the, on the steering wheel, I had something similar <laughs> happen to me. And I said, I need answers. And I said, and I need um, signs for dummies because <laughs> I don't have time to discern. I needed mm -hmm. to be clear as clear can be. And two days later, boom, the answer came so clearly mm -hmm. that it was unbelievable. Yeah. Absolutely ask and you shall receive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes, if, there's nothing that we don't, that we cannot know. If we just simply ask or command. Right. And, yeah, and, once... and be still enough to receive. Mm -hmm. um, so how can we get a copy? And what is the uh, fun, have fun with God? Having fun with Having God. Having fun, fun with God. How can we, how can we get your book? It's on Amazon. And um, how can we get in touch with you? Um, grieve, go to grievewithease.com. And you can get a, a, e, a free e-copy of the book. But if you want a hard copy, you can buy that on amazon.com. All right. Martika, thank you so much for spending time with us today. It is, uh, your story is amazing. It's filled with hope. It's filled with um, possibility. And um, it's filled with healing. Thank you so much for sharing it with us today. Thank you for having me. 
Thank you for listening to the Graduating Grief Podcast. For more information on the Graduating Grief community, workshops, and retreats, go to www.sherrydunlevy.com. If you like this podcast, please subscribe, rate, review, and share.